It is a joy to worship you with you this morning at WPC as we finish our Eastertide series. We've been walking in the footsteps of the apostles throughout the book of Acts. Strangely enough, we end our series at the beginning of the book, at Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit shows up in a dramatic way and ignites a room full of faithful folks that they might go out and bear witness to the risen Christ together. Now, what does it mean to be a witness? You hear me say that word in, in church a lot and from the pulpit especially, so figured I would give you a definition or at least a good way that, that uh, helps me understand it. New Testament scholar and president of Union Seminary, Brian Blunt, who you might remember, he preached here at WPC last year, he says that a witness is a person who stands up and a person who stands out for God's purposes of love, peace, and justice in the world. Hear that again. A witness is a person who stands up and stands out for God's purposes of love, justice, and peace in the world. Friends, we end our series here to be reminded that each of the people whose footsteps we've traveled in over the last several weeks was only able to witness to the good news of Jesus because of God's Spirit, present, alive, and at work in each of them. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing there with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood 
before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. The first time I flew overseas years ago was uh, what I'd like to call a wonderfully disorienting experience. Standing in the international terminal in the Charles de Gaulle airport in Paris, it was an exhilarating experience for the first time to be surrounded by people from all over the world. We were all speaking different languages and listening for the instructions in our native tongue to come over the loudspeaker to relay information as to which gate to go to or what what, uh, pertinent information we needed to know as travelers. We were from different cultures and backgrounds. We each had different stories, different pasts, presents, and futures. Yet we were all there for the same reason. We were all traveling by air that day. It was an amazing experience to get a glimpse of just how big our world is. How many different cultures I, as a recent college graduate, had yet to experience or understand. But the realization that we were all there for the same reason was also a wonderful lesson in how, as people, even when we come from such different backgrounds, cultures, and languages, still share so much in common with one another. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles had a similar experience. There may not have been the layovers or pushy people or bad airport food, but they did have this vibrant experience of people from all over, speaking many different languages, all gathered together for one purpose. The Jewish community from virtually the entire world was gathered there in Jerusalem to celebrate the Festival of Weeks, a harvest festival where they gave of their first fruits to God. But something strange happens at this gathering. And Luke says that this was like the rush of a violent wind. Then we learn that divided tongues like fire rested on those gathered, and suddenly they were able to understand each other. And more than that, they were able to speak one another's languages. This is the exact opposite of what happened at Babel, where our liturgist Brenda read for us in the first lesson. Instead of dividing and confusing the languages of the earth, what we see here is the Spirit bringing all of these different languages together. Some there were perplexed. Some were amazed. But others scoffed and sneered, saying, These folks speaking in tongues are just filled with new wine. In other words, they're making fools of themselves. But Peter is quick to step in. And he delivers a knockout sermon, arguably the very first Christian sermon or the first sermon of the church, saying that these folks aren't drunk, but rather they're filled with the Holy Spirit. A famous writer once said that 80% of life is simply showing up. Well, here Peter names it in his sermon. He says the Spirit has shown up. The Spirit has filled this This space has filled each of us, and now nothing will ever be the same again. This is the spirit Jesus promised us. Don't you remember? 
This is the spirit the prophets have told us about, like Joel when he proclaims that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, young and old, slave and free from all walks of life. When the spirit shows up, you're able to dream. When the spirit shows up, you're able to see visions of God's future, of the redemption of this broken world. But even more than seeing, the spirit will help you live into that vision of God's redemptive future. And invite others to participate in it. For the past seven weeks, we've journeyed through selective stories of the book of Acts. As we walked in the footsteps of the first witnesses to the gospel. But when we look back, we realize that Pentecost is the catalyst for the story of Acts and the birth of the entire church. When we look back, we realize that the, the main character of Acts is not Peter... It's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit, whose presence is fully realized at Pentecost and sets the church into action. In other words, the Spirit shows up and never goes away. We look back, we realize that the Holy Spirit's presence allows for others to bear witness to the good news of God's love for us in Christ. The Spirit shows up and allows Peter to stand up to the Jerusalem council, saying that we must obey God rather than human authority. The Spirit shows up and moves Saul from persecuting to proclaiming Christ and transforming Ananias from fearing Saul to calling him brother. We've seen God's Spirit present and at work in the compassion of Tabitha and the faithful action of Lydia in Cornelius, and finally, in the slave girl and the jailer we met last week. It's the presence of God's Spirit at work in the world that caused our friends we've met in Acts to be the witnesses God has called them to be, that sparks the church into existence and the gospel to be spread to the ends of the earth. The Spirit that so dramatically arrives in Acts continues to show up. In fact, has never gone away. The Spirit is always present, always there, calling us to be faithful witnesses, to stand up and to stand out for God's purposes in the world. One of the confessions of the Presbyterian Church, a brief statement of faith, sums this up so beautifully, claiming that in a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of peoples long silenced, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. The same spirit that ignited Peter and Paul, Tabitha, and Lydia is at work in us too. The Holy Spirit has shown up and it's not going anywhere. It's been with us since our baptism when we were first named as a beloved child of God. The Spirit is igniting us to be Christ's witnesses in a broken and fearful world, that we might proclaim our reconciliation with God and one another in Christ's death and resurrection. The story of Pentecost tells us that when the Spirit shows up, it seeks to bring together those who have been separated. At Pentecost, the confusing of the languages at Babel was reversed. 
allowing people from very different places to understand one another and join in bearing witness to the risen Lord together. This work of the Spirit is continued by the early church in Acts as the gospel is extended beyond the people of Israel to include the Gentiles. Today, the work of the church, empowered by God's Spirit, is to continue in this mission of reversing Babel, reversing separation, reversing barriers that separate people from one another, that we might be reconciled and brought closer together in Christ. Just as it did on Pentecost, when the Spirit shows up, anything is possible in bringing about God's kingdom. When we as followers of Christ heed its call, people are brought closer together, division sees, and all have a seat at the table. As Christians, we're called to discern this wild spirit, that we might follow where it is leading us. How do we discern this spirit? Our story today reminds us that we discern the leading of the spirit together in prayer and in reflection. This is something we can't do on our own. We need one another to make sense of where God's Spirit is present and leading us to share the good news here and now. The story of Pentecost also reminds us that in, in, discerning, in discerning where the Spirit is leading us, that if we see something that is dividing us and breaking us apart from one another, it's probably not the work of the Spirit of God. Because God's Spirit is always working to bring us together, closer to God, closer to one another. Friends in Christ, the Spirit of God, the very presence, the very breath of God has shown up. It was there on Pentecost. It's here now. It's not going anywhere. And it's on the move, going out ahead of us. Friends, are we willing to be so led by this wild, reconciling spirit? Are we willing to discern the new, unfamiliar, and perhaps even uncomfortable places God's spirit might be leading us next? As we go, friends, may we be strengthened by the many apostles and followers of Jesus whose spirit-led footsteps we've traveled in this Easter time. May their witness give us inspiration to also be led by the Spirit, to stand up and to stand out for God's purposes of love, justice, and peace in the world. And finally, may we be comforted that the Holy Spirit, the fire, the breath of God is at work in us, giving us courage to undertake the serious work of peace and reconciliation, ensuring justice, freedom, and peace for all of God's children. All authority and power and dominion to the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord, now and in the age to come. Amen.